Cheers. Here's cheers. I'm Ken. I'm Gavin. Welcome to the Diplomacy Games. Uh, game, uh, well, game. A place where Gavin and I talk of all things diplomacy and often unrelated topics, but mostly related to the, to the game. We try to. We try to keep it on topic. Um, and we often partake in a beer or two responsibly along the way. We do, we do, we do. Um, and actually, I think uh, in most, one of our most recent Patreon episodes, we, you, you went very off topic. I think it was the most recent Patreon episode that came out. Did I? Where, because remember in the, our last catch-up, which is eh, a little while ago, yeah. you talked about your um, non-diplomacy-related brewing career. Oh yes. As a as a as a as a uh, <laughs> what do they call a craft brewer. Yes, hobbyist, hobbyist. Ho- yes, yes, yes. And, yes. So, um, but then I think you also went into great detail around your um, self-sufficiency <laughs> elements, <laughs> and I learned all about. Snush and stuff. Snush. Yeah, Snush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot to bring a pouch on the box. Yeah. Anyway. But um, but this is not a snooze podcast. It's not a snooze podcast. It's not a tobacco podcast. It's not really a beer podcast or a wine podcast. It's a game about the game. Great game. Diplomacy. No, um, but you did talk about beer. So we're, we're at, um, we're, we're recording down the Fortitude Valley. So that means that we've, um, as always, usually starting here at the Prince Consort for a yes. bit of a, a, a beer opening. Before we move on to another venue after they open, so usually around five, so um, five thirty. I mean, it is happy hour at the moment, so it is, it is. So I'm on a Bolter XPA. I'm on a, um, a Young Henry's XPA. So XPA's both as an opening. Well, it's like so we've got a double XPA. Is that an XXPA? Um, Only if we try to drink both I mean, at the same time, and then it'd be called this called a mess. Or is it an XPA XPA? Um, yeah, look, uh, this is always a. I always find this is a good, great go to. Go to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with like the uh, Young Henry's is always a bit of a good go to, I think, generally. Okay. Um, as an opening on the board, what's it like? Oh, look, this is. This is always. I mean, from a beer Standard. point of view, it's like. Yeah, yeah. You've got, you got two set, you got two supply centers in your pocket. Okay. No worries at all, okay? And you can actually choose. Do I want to maybe keep one of those up my sleeve for later? Because I know no one's going to get it. Right. It might be a case of um, the way you've opened this France, you know that you're going to get, you can take Spain and Portugal, no problems at all. But because England has followed through on the promise, English Channel, DMZ, yep. you go, you know what, I might actually, maybe I've got a cheekily got into Burgundy or something like that. Yeah. You know, maybe I might just have a bit of, just see how things go and maybe I don't want to kind of, you know, make myself a big target and take two supplies and maybe just keep one up my sleeve. I don't know. It's that type of beer. It's always a good beer for an opening. Pete McNamara opened up to the English Channel recently in his uh, DBNI game. Did he? Yep. And you... I didn't actually watch the whole lot. Sorry. Guess, guess, who, guess who pulled Italy in that game? It was the loser's round to get into the final ball. Loses round again the final ball. Uh, Jamal wasn't. So Jamal was always on the, already on the board, wasn't he? I think he's in the top board. Yeah. The losers round. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the winners of the first three board games they went through on the first round went through, ah, right, okay, and okay. then everyone else got a second chance. So, so to my top po- board. Okay, so my apologies yep. to our DBN friends. I kind of watched the. You watched the first round. Uh, 
I watched about the last 45 minutes. Sort of. <laughs> I watched the main game. I'm sorry. Oh, um, I watched. I watched. I watched. I watched the full round two. I haven't watched round one yet. Okay. Yeah, right. The ones that went. Yeah. Yeah, but, right. Um, so which case then? Ooh. Um, Italy. Chris Brand. Ah, which is almost a, that, that's a replay of the positions they were at at the WDC. So on the top board. So you said, oh, but you said that Peter was France and he moved to English Channel. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, on the DBNO game, but yeah. you know, for player, player, oh, he picked France. We got France. Like France, France. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Italy, Italy. It's a fascinating game to watch, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his face? McMurro got through, ultimately, in the end of that one. Um, it's a great game to watch. You should jump in and watch it if people haven't seen it. Sure, you should okay. see it. I yeah. should, yeah. yeah it's a good Might learn a thing or two or 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I know that's one that just jumps to mind. A really interesting play on the other two looters rounds as well. Like they were, I, I definitely had my favourites I was rooting for. Um, but ultimately, in the end, I think the people who won it, they won it on their merits. So it's good, good, good play, good play all the way through. And obviously, Jamal went on to win that one. Um, didn't he? I didn't see Jamal on the losers board, so that means he must have gone through in the first round. Or it's not playing. I don't know. Well, the thing is, Jamal had the like. There was a chance he was going for the triple crown because he'd won WDC. Was it, D- it was oh, a DBNI or the DBNI, the DBN Invitational? Yeah, I thought it was that one. Well, uh, or was it the virtual? What's the difference between that one and the virtual one? It's a virtual. It's a virtual same Invitational. Thing. Yeah, it's a virtual same, game. Same, same. Virtual game. Yeah. Um, well, I know that the, the, the final round hasn't been played yet. It's, oh, it's okay. This weekend. Well, maybe I'm getting mixed up. I'm getting mixed up then with the virtual diplomacy one, was it? Uh, yeah. There's a few tournaments out there for the virtual ones at the moment. Right. Yeah. There's an Australian virtual league. And okay. So, yeah. All I know is that Jamal won a, a virtual tournament that was like best of the best type of thing. Speaking of Jamal, actually, no, 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 no. But then he didn't. But then he bombed out in um, the Dipcon. Yeah, but I bet you had a blast doing it. I bet it. he did so. Yeah. I reckon he would have had the biggest fucking target on his back. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, our today's guest speaks about some of that. He does indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, shall we introduce the um, the interview and sure, sure. jump into it? Okay, so uh, we got to have a chat with Zach Moore, uh, the, um, the takeover to, um, the takeover principal. No, takeover president. president. El Presidente. El Presidente of the NADF taking over from Cheval Nolan this year. Was it at the end of last year? It was I last year, yeah. Um, yeah, just to catch up from uh, well, from his car, and <laughs> from his car. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we had a, a discussion about you know all things related to the NAF, NAD, NADFA, NADFA, NADFA. Yeah. So, well, should we joke? Should we throw to it? I think we should. All right. See you guys on the other side. So, uh, Zach Moore, thank you so much for joining us again on the Diplomacy Games podcast. Wonderful to have you back again. It's been too long, guys. It's been way too long. 
it has well, been it has been too long and we've had to kind of put you in some type of stunt location for the uh for the interview today most of our people normally when they talk to us it's uh you know they're sitting in their lounge room their office or you know wherever and you're in your car <laughs> I, I i am in my car you know this my car used to be my office now now i consider it kind of a lounge of sorts i got the nice uh Got the nice speakers. Got a good, nice, comfy cloth uh, interior. Um, what, what, what more can you ask for? I, all I need is a fireplace. Well, if you've got a Tesla, you might have a fireplace soon. No, just <laughs> kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, awesome, awesome. Look, and and look, we're obviously having you. We have had you on the show on multiple occasions. Uh, I can't remember if this is number three or number four this time. Um, and it's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, but it's in a slightly different capacity that we were talking to you today. You're, you're the the president of the North American Diplomacy Federation, and you've also just been to DIPCON, you know, the penultimate event of the North American diplomacy scene. Um, how did how, first off, how did you become president? Why did you put up your hand? Uh, well, so the previous president was Siobhan Nolan, who runs the uh, whipping tournament in the Bay Area here in the United States diplomacy circuit and Siobhan Nolan had to uh, give up the throne because uh, she uh, her family grew and when your family grows uh, via a, a little one you, you have a little bit less time to preside um, so she she gave it up and it was kind of I kind of got my name kind of got put out there by by someone else and then I had to think a little bit about whether I could put the you know put the time and, and effort into it to do it justice and decided it'd be worth the uh, worth a go uh so there's a whole process where the uh the the tournament directors in north america they you, they kind of have someone propose to them and then they vote yay or nay and uh i i like a draw vote. yeah exactly like a draw vote so clearly i haven't made uh i haven't made any enemies or at least had it at that point because i got through well, it's still early days, Zach. I'm sure you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe today will be the start. Pop, pop Why not? Why not indeed? <laughs> so, um, look, well, so how long have you been doing the gig for now? It would be, uh, it would be just over a year. I, t I took over in January of 2023. And what's your goal, I suppose, during your, your presidency, which kind of sounds very, very American thing to kind of say. <laughs> <laughs> uh the it's kind of in layers the first the the foundation of it all in the the nadf which is the north american diplomacy federation the, the foundation of it all really is to um strengthen uphold and um see to it that the code of conduct is followed at nadf tournaments which there are um go you know, nine soon to be ten uh, scattered across U.S. and Canada, um, and the idea behind the the kind of overarching body is that you had a lot of individual tournament directors that would, um, you know, the same crop of players go to from tournament to tournament, and when there's issues, it's it's hard for every individual tournament organizer to be up on it when there's issues or when there are you know interpersonal conflicts between the players or maybe some. Uh, patterns of behavior that you need to be addressed at a at a hobby wide level, and so the the NADF and the the presidency is at a core level about um, keeping those tournament 
directors united and, and having kind of a central system for dealing with incidents that are repeated and egregious with regards to the code of conduct. So, so that, say, if you run a tournament in Vancouver, which was DipCon a second ago, you're not you're not kind of on an island forced to make an individual decision uh, and pitted against eight others making individual decisions. It's it's more collectivized, which makes it easier. Yes, and, and I guess not only just because you have some consistency as a player and expectations of what's appropriate, what's not appropriate at a tournament, uh, but also I guess that whole issue of um, you know someone makes bad choices, let's put it that way, and and uh, decides not to kind of uh, follow in the spirit of of that code of conduct. You know, there are there are consequences, I guess, in um, their ongoing participation in the diplomacy scene for a period of time. I assume that's the way it works. If someone does something that's really uncool. Yep, yep. Uh, there, there, there can be. I prefer for there not to be. And I, I think one of the things we'll that one of the things we'll be talking about that has come up more recently, and I, I think we'll be talking about with tournament directors over the next couple months, kind of on a the next level up, in my opinion, from the the code of conduct, which is maybe more punitive. I think we want to start talking about proactive proactive measures that can be taken to, to get ahead of things, um, to, to get ahead of the ways that the behaviors that uh, cause problems um, and find if there's anything in the way that we structure our tournaments that, that can be done differently to um, help people, help folks regulate their emotions. Um, it's tough being in a, a hotel conference room for uh, 14 straight hours, you know, being being lied to and stabbed by the likes of uh, of you two. Um, so, so we're thinking about ways that we can be proactive and, cre- and creating an environment that lends itself to c- civility. I think that's the next step beyond the uh, the punitive kind of measures that we focused on so far. That's pretty good. Um, what's what would be the mechanism for that? Do you kind of kind of create a Zoom meeting or whatever of all the TDs and say? How do we kind of, you know, get that step ahead of needing to take those actions? It's a lot. It's a lot of um, it's a lot of side chats. I'm, I'm unless there's a real emergency, you'll never see all the TDs on a call together. Uh, that's that's pretty difficult to uh, to organize. Um, but the the process would be there's an NADF board. So I'm with the president, and then there's a board that works with me, and the board members are Katie Gray who just won DIPCON, uh, Liam Stokes, who's a, a, a good player out of uh, out of Vancouver, British Columbia, where DIPCON was. Um, it's Nicolas Sahuge, another Canadian player who's been around forever, former world champ. And uh, Johnny Gillum just joined us uh, for this term. Um, he uh, started the New York City Diplo Rats Diplomacy Club. So we wanted to bring him on for the, the club perspective. And we we talk together as a board, and what I think it'll look like over the next couple months is the board talks through some ideas, um, engage the tournament directors to, to kind of have their perspective on things. They're, they're able to help out with the logistics of how various ideas might affect their practical uh, duties. And together as a group over several drafts and revisions, we might come up with a set of recommendations uh, that can be tailored to, to each individual tournament. Um, just some broad recommendations that that could be um, taken on on a on a voluntary basis by TDs. 
Excellent. Uh, you, you talked about Katie's win at uh, Nipcon, which was fantastic. I think, um, you know, a good outcome and also good for the game when it comes to, you know, ensuring that we're very much seen. And I saw, sorry, I obviously wasn't there. Uh, there were some Australians there, but I did see, you know, some photos and, you know, obviously there was the, the DBN also kind of covering things. And there was still, you know, a, a good representation beyond what we saw at WDC, which was men only. Um, what's do, do you kind of see um, any steps that you might be able to kind of create um, in fostering an environment that's more inclusive and more diverse within the community? Yes. So the one that you sent us, uh, Jamal and, and Jamal Blacarly, and thanks a lot, by the way, for sending him uh, it's hard enough to win, you know, already. And, and now you're sending us this monster to have to go up against. Um, we, we build them tough here in Australia. <laughs> whether whether, whether sure with Goffey or Peter McNamara or Jamal, you know, Ken and I are just side items. So don't worry about us. I think if I ever, the day will come when I travel there for a tournament, and I'm, I'm, not sure I'll be able to travel back with my dignity, um, after after sharing a room with all of them at anyway, once. Anyway, we 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 digress. Please please get back to to your what your thoughts are on um, improving diversity <laughs> and inclusivity. That'd be great. Yeah. So so Jamal helped. You know, Jamal pushed forward the discussion a little bit when he, he went on Deadline News, which is a diplomacy broadcast network news show after his world championship win and took took the opportunity to, to talk about his desire to see more diversity in the hobby and more proactive efforts to foster that, which I think has been a goal of people for a long time, but there maybe hasn't been organized uh, efforts or, or thought around what might uh, what might make that happen? So, the the NADF board is um, chatting with Jamal. Uh, we've got a small group of hobby organizers um, that are kicking the tires on. First, what we're doing is uh, at a very basic survey level, um, engaging as many tournament directors as we can find, whether it's online, extended deadline, variant hobby leaders of all of all stripes to try to get their ideas of, of what their successes and what their obstacles have been. Um, and from there, um, kind of put together a, a similar idea to what we were just talking about with um, dealing with emotions at tournaments, to, to put together a broad game plan based on the feedback we're hearing from players, from organizers, of, of here are some practical, actionable steps we can take on both ends. It has to be on both ends, and by both ends I mean when you get to a tournament, you need an environment that's inclusive and that's comfortable for 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 people of all sorts of backgrounds, you know, ability, gender, uh, ethnicity, um, sexuality, all all those things. That's that's got to be there. I think we've been better at doing that. There's a second letter. Uh, there's a second level of recruiting, uh, Ambient Canner, and this is one thing that I think is more challenging because we all want to recruit more people to this game but who we recruit impacts who is going to to show up and give it a shot and so there needs to be um a consciousness about who we think of when we think about a diplomacy player um which which of our friends and family members and loved ones do we think to invite to a tournament uh, is the picture of of a diplomacy player in our head skewed a certain way that we're maybe without realizing it um not inviting certain groups of people because we don't think they would like it. Um, those are the type of questions I think 
are, are, will be really interesting to get at on on the recruitment level because it's got to be both. We got to have an environment where people will enjoy it, but we also got to actually get them get get different groups of people to a tournament in the first place for them to fall in love with the game. Absolutely, uh, and, and I guess I mean one thing you just you touched on there is it's one thing to get people to come to the tournaments. It's also another thing to attract. Uh, that broad representation just of, you know, learning about the game and becoming part of the game. My, my video is frozen for some reason. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's really, that's great to hear. Um, when, it, when it came to the actual, if we can just go back, if you don't mind, um, yep. to the actual DIPCON, um, what, was, what was the experience like for you? It was, uh, it was all over the place. I think it was a very fun tournament. One thing I loved about... Dipcon in uh, in Vancouver slash uh, is it well is that it's really not in Vancouver it's in Surrey which is um, a smaller city or a suburb right outside of Vancouver and that created a nice dynamic actually where um, there was a, a grocery store a block down that you could kind of walk to and and have easy access to uh, to food and and drinks but it was a very non congested very kind of peaceful uh, environment which which set it apart from other tournaments very low key um chris brand does a great job running the event but overall even zooming in from all that it was terrifying Andy, because you hear the names on all these boards and if you watch the dbn it's it's like it's like i'm in a jaws movie i'm surrounded by sharks and i'm i'm bleeding before the game even starts uh it was no it was no terrifying. no you're 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 at, you're at the uh, the the uh, diplomacy oscars look at it that way you're <laughs> <laughs> we're on the red carpet yeah maybe that's how i should think about it and you're there so you know that's also a good thing isn't it you know it, it's it, you know i'm sure people are also going oh, i've got to keep an eye on zach yes they they and boy did they keep an eye on me they kept an eye on my on my centers with their grubby little hands um it was it was fun though you know it was when you get the the tournaments that are so many scary players it's actually a, a lot of uh fun and uh, room for growth as a player so i i think i grew as a player we'll find out later this month when i play dbni if i actually improved it all excellent um, I just so you know, Zach, I've got some technical problems at my end because for some reason my mouse is not working anymore because I kind of just killed my video because it seemed to have frozen. And I'm hoping to hell that uh, everything is still recording. So at least we're talking and that's all good. So um, uh, yeah, let's let's just cross fingers and, and hope that it all works out. Um, were, were there any particular moments in the tournament that really stood out for you as a player? Stood out to me as a player, you know, there was, there, there were a few. I kind of had one from each round, and I'll talk about my own games because I was too engrossed in those to, to, to think about other people's situations. Um, the, the first round, I had to deal with your guy, the evil that you sent me from Australia, Jamal, as, uh, as Italy to my Austria. And um, he's, he's a fascinating player because he um he's kind of a very pushy but in a lovable kind of way um and and so i i had to um 
I, I bungled the relationship because I I was not trusting of him when I think he, he was being honest. And, and I'll tell you what he did is he we tried to do a little key Lepanto, um, fumbled the communication, maybe on purpose from his perspective, maybe on accident to where I didn't end up with a build. Uh, and then Springo too, you know, is Austria. When you don't have any build, it's it's just who do you who do you want to kill you? Um, and I I kind of panicked and flipped on Jamal and learned learned a tough lesson. I I think overall it would have been better. Maybe you can tell me, Ambie, whether I should have stuck with him and whether he would have had mercy on me. Um, I can't figure it out if if I if I was right to 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 drive the to take what I can of a swing at him or if I should have uh, begged him for for mercy and support. Maybe you know better than I if you played with him. Oh, geez, um, Zach. I, I guess. I mean, if if you made the if you'd already made the decision and had um, you know flipped against him and then realised, oh, I stuffed up. I probably would um, take. It depends, it depends on me. I guess it depends a little bit on the, your tactical position on the board and what else is going on that he might be having to deal with. So theoretically, let's say if all of a sudden you've been able to kind of quietly convince France to kind of come down Piedmont and, you know, pop a fleet into, you know, Western or heavens forbid, you know, <laughs> Tyrrhenian Sea, I'm pretty sure <laughs> at that point in time it's pretty clear that you need to pile in on Jamal or whoever is playing Italy. Um, yeah. That being said, if Jamal is playing his game based on the way that my games with him have gone, um, I think you would find that uh, he probably hasn't pissed off the French player um, and, in fact, might be a little bit... Well, he, I think he would take any stride around, you know, about um, you know, you've done something that, uh, you know, didn't go the way that you maybe have promised. Um, and I guess the only opportunity there would to be doing a very, very big... Um, Yep, I fucked up. Own it, and seeing if you can kind of, um, you know, resolve things. Well, that's a good note because we're going to see each other on the DBNI top board uh, if he qualifies. I, I know I will. Hmm. Okay, that's great. Um, so that that's a really good observation. And uh, the other thing, of course, I think you talked about how he was. Um, what was it? Okay, I, I might be wrong, and if I'm my paraphrasing incorrectly, I think you kind of call him politely pushy or something like that. Yeah, something to that extent. So um, the only thing I would say is that Jamal is a player because I've played against him now, and, and so has Ken since oh, it was pre-COVID. I think it was back down in Melbourne on a couple of occasions, um, and he was he was far more pushier pushier back then. <laughs> Still polite, <laughs> but he's, uh, I don't think he's as pushy as he, as he once used to be. Ken, what's your observation on that? Oh, no, I know. I, I stand by that observation there, Gavin. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely refined his approach. Um, over, from, from, the, from the first time I, we, I played with him um, on a board uh, to when I saw him at the, uh, at the WDC, he's... Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely not as um, – I remember my first game with Jamal, he was very much in your face and it was absolutely 100% focus on me, don't focus on anyone else and wouldn't allow for space to kind of go um, talk with other people and that actually it had a counterproductive um, – it's slightly counterproductive to me. But um, – 
yeah, he's uh, he, he's definitely gotten a lot stronger as a player. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Um, but you know, it wasn't obviously just just Jamal there, and from the Australians, obviously Andrew Goff as well. But that being said, you know, both of those players are you know well Dipcon winners, um, but they didn't make the final cut, obviously, when it came to you know the positioning and the tournament rankings. Um, why do you think that was, Zach? Is it because with the North American scene, it's a little bit more? I won't say the word aggressive, but um, uh, it's, it's a different playing style than, say, what some of the Australian players bring to the game and just there was just too many North Americans, understandably, at a North American championship to uh, kind of guide what that culture was. Yeah, it, there certainly could have been a little bit of a culture shock in there. Although, you know, Jamal's played a lot of virtual and Goff has been showing up in these North American tournaments forever. Um Going in reverse order, all I know about Goff is that every time I looked over at his table for the entire tournament, he was either uh, you know, scolding someone for doing what he had told them not to do or, or giving them uh, such a cutting look that was almost worse than a scold uh, for the very same skill. So I think he, he had a problem for whatever reason. Maybe it's reputation at this point. He's been going on DBN. Uh, his name's out there. He's in the big magazine, Popular Mechanics. Maybe, uh, maybe a little situation where the reputation catches up to you, or maybe just not his best weekend. I know he was distracted too with uh, uh, all his success at work uh, was uh, in his career was was on the mind. It was a busy time and hard for him to even get out. So I imagine he was running on low sleep. Now with Jamal. I'll tell you that the first round of this tournament, he showed up um, barefoot and in um, custom-made Thai boxing shorts with the word world champion engraved in the butt of the shorts. I'm not making any of that up. So I know. Ken and I were with him when I think we ordered it online. You were with <laughs> him? You... So, he, you know, I'm not saying he was asking for it but certainly he he got the attention that he was looking for on the board was anyone else wearing uh their their uh diplomacy champion regalia no brand you know chris brand has a robe that jamal said was the inspiration behind his uh his boxing shorts but he was not in in the regalia perhaps because he was running the tournament and brandon fogel one virtual diplomacy league two years ago, or I guess, you know, just over a calendar year ago. And he has a virtual a VDL championship T-shirt that he has been too cowardly to wear to any tournaments. Um, maybe ashamed of his success or or too scared that he can't play with the target on his back. I respect Jamal for for wearing uh, wearing his badge of pride. Um, Brandon, I'm still waiting for him to show a little moral character and, and show up to a tournament with his shirt. I must admit, it's pretty brave also for Jamal to turn up to uh, Vancouver in uh, the middle of winter wearing, you know, boxer shorts essentially and barefoot. <laughs> it was a it was a sight uh, to behold, and yeah, I, I hope there are pictures floating around. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Um, 
though, yeah, you had a couple of Australians there, obviously a bucket load of Americans. How about the Canadians? What was their representation like? Riaz Virani, who is kind of uh, assistant to the regional tournament director at, uh, at, at Cascadia, he played, he played very well. He was second or third in the event, won a best country, I, th- I think. Um, so he was amazing, just steady all three rounds. You could you you watched his position grow. Liam Stokes, board board member uh, and and British Columbia resident, was there. Um, didn't have as much success as Riaz. I think he was somewhere near the middle of the table. Um, but they they had a good a good turnout. I mean, I would say less than half of the players, but not not too far off. Maybe fifteen or twenty of the fifty five. There were there was a. A first timer there who actually came in contact with the community through the Olympus Discord oh, yeah. League, um, which I think is incredible because of the way that they've set that up. You know, at Olympus, they just create backstabber games and they pull these random people off a of backstabber into the community. So it was fascinating to see this guy, David, who's a vet who lives in British Columbia, found the hobby through just being a backstabber public player and, and connecting with Olympus. And now he's at a face-to-face tournament. So I, I hope he had a good experience. Got to chat with him a couple of times. Cool. Um, any UK players or anyone from, you know, Europe? Saren came from Europe. Um, flew in. I, I think that was it. And she had... Uh, she was another one that was towards the, the middle of the pack. She's had, she's had better, better tournaments for sure. Um, I, but I believe, uh, I believe that was it. And, and thank God, because last Dipcon was won before this one by Nicholas Camaritis, who is, uh, playing out of the UK and we couldn't let that happen again. Um, I've only got one final question just around the, the Dipcon side of things. And this kind of came out in our, in our interview with Chris, just, and that's just around the tournament structure and, you know, the, the process for deciding, you know, the the winner and, you know, the, the top placings, uh, the fact that there was no top board. Um, what do you feel is the differences in the overall playing style during normal games, so your normal, your normal rounds in mm-hmm. a tournament where there is no top board versus potentially one with a top board? Do you think that, that anything change at all? I think things do change. I think they, I think they actually change more than they should. When there's when there's no top board, it gets to this situation where um, the the winner is going to be the person who squeezed the most juice out of their out of their good situations. So uh, it encourages a little bit more going for it, a little bit less um, of a shared top kind of mentality and katie was exceptional in that regard as a winner because she just she just won all three of her rounds and if you win all three of your rounds it doesn't matter um doesn't necessarily matter how big the scores are because <laughs> that's that's very difficult to do but uh when you have a top board you get this mentality of just staying alive and just staying mm-hmm. alive is we're you know i'm happy to set up a three-way board top uh, we'll do 10, 10, 10, 9, 9, 9. I don't want to make the big move to uh, to jeopardize my position. And then and, and then in the third round, I'm going to try to slip into the seventh seed and, and play on the top board. I think that's actually 
pe- people who play that way, I think, hurt their chances. I think they're they let the top, the top board get in their head a little too much. It's yeah. it's still just about it's still just about getting points, um, and, and you don't need to overthink it. But just the just the narrative that exists around a top board changes how people talk to each other, changes how people view the game. Uh, and so, for better or for worse, whether whether or not it's actually better for their game, I think you get this uh, this mentality of of let me just stay within striking distance, and then putting putting all your eggs in the basket of uh, round three. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just just my observation would be the fact that you know if you do have a top board, what you and again it depends on the scoring system, obviously as well. But you know, you, you essentially provided you've got you know one really great game and you know um, a couple of good games and maybe one mediocre game, you've probably got a good chance sometimes to get on the top board depending on how many people are there, as opposed to obviously a situation like this where there is no top board and it just comes down to you need to be stellar in every single game, which tends to change the dynamic, I guess, with the way that um, gameplay works. So you're right, yeah. Um, Sorry, you were going to say something before I cut you off? Oh, no, I mean, just that it was, it, it came, you know, <laughs> the, the margins are so low. I mean, poor Katie, you know, she dominates her first two rounds and then she's in round three and she's winning that too. And, and she's still scratching and clawing to get every point she needs. Um, just, just imagine topping all three of your boards and you're still looking over oh. your shoulder. I know, um, it's incredible. Kudos to her. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you're still based in Minnesota, are you? Yes, still here. Ah, how's the local scene going up there? It's dead. COVID killed it. Uh, oh, we, really? Yeah, we, you know, we were just about to have our first two board event, um, and the month that we were set to have our first two board event was March 2020. Um, so you know how that went. Um, and and then we, you know, the Minnesota Club moved online, and then turned into the virtual diplomacy league and and a lot of the other fellows that were helping me organize the and, and run the minnesota club they moved on to different life stages and they just don't have the time uh so i i've i've had to let it go because i can't can't run it alone and, and don't have anyone to run it with me at the moment oh that makes sense you know you've got to pick your battle so to speak and if you're um you know, El Presidente for the uh, NADF. You know, you've got other things to kind of worry about, I guess. Um, and look, that's that's a that's a really interesting observation. I know from our point of view, we were having you know a number of you know regular games here in Brisbane in Australia, um, and then ever since COVID, you know, we've been able to get what can two games going, but it's like it's it's been really hard to get that participation back into the into the game. So. Um, yeah, like we've got a we've got a game scheduled for tomorrow, and we're still only on six players. And it's like, uh, what are we going to do? You know, are we going to just have to pull the plug again? But anyway, um, always scratching and clawing. Have you have you two? Uh, I've, I've got to turn it around and have a question for you two. Have you been involved with this Snake Pit Australian Virtual League at all? I'm hearing it's all the rage now. I've never bloody heard of it, Ken. <laughs> Yeah, no, not not me. I haven't um, I haven't gotten involved with it. It's a great initiative to do the um, to, to 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 do a virtual league on on a on the I don't know the time gap. That's it's, it's easy for Aussies and Asians to catch. Um, it, it's it's something that's on the radar. Um, I just haven't had a chance to jump in and do it yet, Zach. 
Yeah, fair enough. It's tough. I, I find myself struggling to find time for virtual as well. But I'll, I'll, I'll put out a plug for your for your Aussie uh, listeners for the, the snake pit on Discord. Um, you can you can find find the, the snake pit Discord server and maybe I'll send you to a, a link to it after this. But uh, hopefully, you know, ideally, if, if this guy, Josh, Josh Hennessy is running it, if he keeps on building up enough players, uh, it might overflow and help with the face to face scene. I think that that'd be great if it did. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that was probably the reason I've only, I haven't heard of it is because I'd never go on Discord. <laughs> so <laughs> I think the, uh, I've, I've only gone on Discord for diplomacy, like for playing two games, and that was like really, really early on when COVID kicked off and the, then the virtual scene began. Um, <clears throat> I, I've always, uh, I'll, I'll call it stuff, I'm personally challenged by just sometimes working through the interface. It's it's not quite as intuitive as some things, but it's obviously because I'm an old fart. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think last last time you were on, Zach, we were having a bit of a a bit of a piss take conversation around um, making diplomacy an Olympic sport. Um, and one mm. of the things I think you actually said in all seriousness, which I'm interested to explore with you now, because of your role with NADF, and and I don't know if you remember what you said or not, or whether um, when I say it to you, go, oh yeah, actually I remember that, um, was the concept of what. Yeah, potentially what would be useful for the game is something like an international diplomacy federation of one form or another, uh, bringing together obviously the various um, uh, continental chapters or other kind of chapters across the world into a a single way of being able to do things, uh, at least from a, you know, I I guess it would come down to, you know, what would be appropriate to kind of be um, responsibilities, I guess, at that type of level. Have, do you have you actually thought about that at all since taking on the role, or in in a small way? I mean, somewhat. I I do love the idea. I think in particular, the way you know that that World Diplomacy Championships are are run right now is so um, so undefined, so so based in tradition. And there's a charter somewhere. I don't know if anyone could find the charter. It's like uh, the lost, I think it's buried somewhere on Atlantis. Um, and so uh, it would be great. And and I would, it's not an immediate term focus, but as a medium to long-term goal, I really would like to have more stable and defined cooperation between the NADF and, or even if it's not the NADF, uh, just just some sort of international body I think DBNI has gone, you know, filled those shoes in a, in a small way for uh, the way that they've combined. You know, it's an international tournament. It brings in winners from press, from face to face and from virtual. And people from around the world seem to have uh, interest in it and, and believe in its legitimacy. Uh, on, in the Discord world, the VW, the virtual world diplomacy community server is kind of the global hub where you get a lot of people from different parts of the worlds uh playing live games together it's not so much uh, an extended deadline or a press hub so i think those are are kind of institutions that could that, that are tilling the ground for something more official mm-hmm. and um and in these next few years if we just get some people in a room and and iron it out uh i wouldn't be shocked Cool. It's, it's interesting. 
Sorry, you actually answered one of my um, questions I was going to ask you, Zach, was whether or not you, you know, when when you took the presidency of the NADF, that they uh, didn't give you like a little locked box of confidential hidden documents. <laughs> but, but like all the Area 51 up. papers and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> secret secret I, president I, business. I can't even get the password to, to the damn email account. If you, if you email that, nobody's ever going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ken, is there anything that you wanted to kind of explore beyond the secret box of treasures that the NADF presidency ha actually has? Just from the uh, just from the um, tournament, Zach, um, and it's, it's a kind of a follow up question from the uh, DBN news: whether or not Tommy actually ended up turning up. Uh, no, 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 Tommy, not even close. Completely, I didn't hear from him. But I'll tell you what: in breaking news since Cascadia, I don't think Tommy is even allowed to travel internationally. I'm sure Interpol has something out for him, but. Um, in, in breaking news, he has purchased a plane ticket and produced evidence of purchasing a plane ticket to to Whipping, uh, which is the, the the next tournament on the calendar in March in, in San Francisco, United States. So I do believe he will show up live to a tournament. And I also I believe he's serious because he was he, he started texting me at three in the morning uh, asking about various tournaments. And, and when Tommy. When Tommy texts you at three in the morning, that's as serious as he gets. All right. Well, that that clarifies. Thank you very much, Zach. I don't I don't have any other follow up questions there. It's uh, always good yeah. talking with you, though. Yeah. Is there anything that we haven't touched on, Zach, that that you'd like to share with um, with the audience? Uh, you know, we we talked a little bit about um, my you know the, the the presidency and the tournaments and more hobby uh, leadership stuff. I, I do want to address the world just as a player, um, briefly, uh, and that's because the 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 DBNI first round is coming up. My game is going to be the Friday, uh, February sixteenth, in the U.S. It'll be morning of the seventeenth, your time in in Australia. And I just want to put it on the record that I am guaranteeing victory not only in the preliminary round but also would like to guarantee victory uh on the top board and you can put that on everything um and i'd also like to guarantee the way that i secure my victory when's this coming out after that I after think. that perfect it'll probably be if everything goes well and i'll kind of actually have some you know spare time calendar it'll come out um next weekend okay Okay, perfect. Yeah, I my greatest regret is at, at Carnage World World Dipcon in 2021. I had an early game alliance with Ed Sullivan. Go Horns, go for the online world. I was England, he was Germany, and uh, I wanted to stab him, and I knew I couldn't keep a straight face in the room, so I went and hit. I went and hid in the bathroom stall. And wrote all my stab orders there, uh, and then came back and turned them in. And sure enough, Ed countered uh, every single move exactly. He totally saw it coming. Um, he sniffed out just from the fact that I was in the bathroom for too long, that I was about to stab him. Um, and I've regretted that ever since. I and I want to make it right. So I'm going to win my first board 
by stabbing Ed Sullivan, go horns go uh, for the win. And I'm going to, I'm going to springboard off of that to the championship. And that's my promise to your viewers. Oh, exciting. <laughs> I, I hope it goes well for you, Zach, but uh, if it doesn't, and we have, we have a repeat again of it, um, I'll be interested, more interested to know how you're going to get around it. Um, that's awesome. So thank you so much, Zach, again for your for your time today and for sharing your your insights and views and where you think see things going uh, with the NADF um, and also just your personal observations on um, on DipCon and, and everything else. So thanks so much for your time. Absolutely, thanks, fellas. Well, and we're back. Cheers, cheers, cheers. A very interesting interview. Um, but before we jump delve into it, I just wanted to clarify up the, uh, the finals from DBNI from the start of the uh, conversation there. So, Doug Malote, John Gillum, Matt Tonchi, Chris Ward, Saren Kwok, Ed Sullivan, and Peter McNamara in the top board of the DBNI. And there's um, some alternate stand-ins, if right. So. Um, Alternates one to seven is Michalis, Camaritas, Jamal, Blackley, Bradley Grace, Matt Krill, Jelta Kuiper, Riaz Virani, and Jason Better. So congrats to those guys. Um, so back to Zach Moore though. Oh, and people may not notice the uh, noise levels hopefully a little bit down. We've uh, we had a lot of people turn up as we were getting towards the end there or at all yeah. once. So um, we've moved outside. Radio. So, yeah, first off, I don't know what it is, but like it seems to be a regular thing now that we uh, record with people not in a nice, quiet studio environment, but, uh, you know, in the back of their, sorry, in the front of their car or, you know, walking around the front of their house on a, on a phone. Yeah, you guys know who you, we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, look, um, good to know that there's no sequel squirrel secret kind of... Um, War chest of documents that's kept under lock and key for, for the president's eyes only, for the NADF. Which is a shame, um, you know what I mean? I mean, it's yeah, part of that whole Area 51 conspiracy thing. That's no insight on whether or not aliens were involved in the invention of the game. No. Uh, um, such, as, such as it is. No, no secret correspondence with JFK. No. Um, Nothing about the grassy knoll. Nothing about the grassy knoll there. Um, so, sound like he had a blast at the, um, at, at the, dip, at the dip pond. Um, and he was on a table with Jamal Blakeman. Um, and they did the key Panto, which is cool. I remember one of my early games with Jamal down in Melbourne. Um, I did the key Panto against him. He was turkey. And totally ruined his game. Right? Destroyed, destroyed the Austrian player because I did a double cross on the on it, yep. um, and then just kept on steamrolling into Turkey. So um, that that was a lot of fun. Um, so it's good. It's interesting. Like that's a it's, it's an older concept that Key Lepanto. People kind of it's one of my favorites. I, I, I do enjoy that. I always, I mean, I personally always enjoy something that's a little bit more unusual. Just kind of make it interesting, not only for yourself but for the other player you're working with. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to know how many people opened up to Tyrolia as a Italy. Oh, no. Italy. Yeah, and that did con. Right. So I feel like that's becoming more common as, a, as an opening for Italy. Because um, when you think about it, Italy is always just not always. Italy tends to play more a 
reserved game. You know what I mean? Like, sit back, and I think Peter McNamara previously has spoken about this, I can't remember where, about the idea of, look, you just kind of sit back, you kind of don't pick fights, you let others start having, you know, slap, slapping each other over in the Balkans and over somewhere between, you know, the France, Germany, England thing. Yep. Get them bogged down in, in fighting and then you start moving. So it's like this slow burn bully. So, I mean, a more aggressive Italy is like... And Tyrol is interesting because most people, I think, if they're thinking, I'm going to play an aggressive Italy, do something stupid like I've done before, which is like, you start attacking France. Yeah, but, you know, so Tyrol just kind of gives you off. It enters, yeah. it, it puts you into negotiation with the North. By virtue of sitting there next to Germany, it forces Germany to talk to you and opens up a line of communication at least. So, you know, I'm just interested in that as, a, as an opening. But we didn't really talk about that with Zach, but we did more talk around, um, you know, some of the more broader level stuff that's going on with the NADF, you know, stuff around, um, you know, how, well, how the board is selected, um, you know, how, how the, the governing body, as you like, as you'd say, is built up from the tournament directors of the larger tournaments of the, uh, the hobby in the North, in North America, um, selected from that, and, you know, and it's really good to, um, you know, hear stuff that's, you know, stuff going on around some of that, those proactive measures to get in front of those unregulated emotions, you know, that you can sometimes obviously face to face at times um, so good to see that there's you know, some sort of framework for consequences of you know being proactive so there doesn't have to be consequences it's dealt with yeah. before it even gets there yeah, yeah, that's right. um, you know and that stuff around inclusivity um, at the tournament level and at the, um, you know, the club level and, you know what they can do to assist to you know to make it more make, make it a welcoming place um, yep. or make it and so it's, it's not like it's not a welcoming place to make it more perceived to be more welcoming the perception of so addressing that um, I think would be a great thing we're just in we're just out of luck for noise we're going to have to move again yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what we'll How's the time? Like, we, we're getting close to like, openings, probably. Yeah, yeah, it's already past that. Alright, so, um, thank you, Zach, for sitting down and having a chat with us. Yeah. Enjoyed it, of course. Um, when we get, get back, we'll do a little bit of around the grounds, because we're changing, like, changing locations. Um, there's a few things you want to talk about, a few things I want to talk about, and, uh, Cover that at the next location. Excellent. So we'll uh, we'll be back in the next location soon. See you soon, mate. Oh fuck! <laughs> oh, Cheers. Sorry. My wine glass gets the, uh, the glass of water. Water. So we've moved to the dark red wine bar, which is on little something or other. Bakery Lane. Bakery Lane. Little Bakery Lane. Still in the valley. Still in the valley. Um, it's kind of look. It's a nice little lane that opens up into a bit of a courtyard. There's uh, a couple of Restaurants here. And we must have an episode up in that balcony up there, didn't we? Or near that? We did. I can't remember the name of the place. Though. Um, well, it's looking like it's no longer used for that purpose. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure it'll be kind of taken over, repurposed, and then we'll be able to do another episode there again. Eventually. So, the um, the bar that we're at, Dark Red, is um, it's Italian themed. Okay. So therefore, the only beers are Italian, 
And, and you've got a... A Lord, a Lord Tentica. Look, oh yeah, I don't know how to pronounce that in Italian, but it's, it's a Bira Moretti. A Bira, yeah. And my recollection from when I've visited Italy previously is that's kind of like the... And I might be wrong. Please, please any Italians listening to the, the podcast, I'm sure there's some of it. Um, this is like the beer from Rome. Roman beer. It's okay. like a beer from Rome. Whilst like your... Um, uh, Stella Etoile. No, well, Stella's is Belgium. Belgium. But the other ones in there were like the... What's it fucking called? Do you remember? No. I think the other one's from Naples. The one that everyone in Italy has. I might try the Naples one next. There we go. I'm on a, uh, because it's Italian thing, I'm on a, um, uh, I'll, I'll put you the pronunciation again, the Levigne, Levigne di San Marco, which is a Primitivo from Puglia. Puglia? Puglia. Oh, one of our favourite territories on the diplomacy map. Well, it's, it gets a lot of action in the uh, mid to late game, doesn't it? Sure does. Yeah, usually. <laughs> All right. I love a Primitivo, and for any of our American listeners, Primitivo is the actual original grape. So, sorry, now we're going to go into the uh, bit of a, 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 a wine podcast rather than a bonus podcast. For any of our American listeners, Primitivo is the name of the grape in Italy that was, when it was brought to America, got called Zinfandel, which is the main American grape from uh, California. Okay. Cool. I think I've heard of a Zinfandel wine. I like a Zinfandel. You don't, you don't get many Zinfandels in Australia though because we've got so many fucking wines here ourselves. Anyway. Anyway. Cheers. Cheers. Here's cheers. Let's talk about... Want to talk about mid-games? How's your mid-game for your beer? It's a mid-game. It's... I've made this mistake before. You know, I've started off with a strong ale and switching to a lager not necessarily the best strategy so I feel like what I've done even though it's a tasty beer what I've done is I've kind of second guessed my strategy right I need to um, enjoy the moment for what it is but look for avenues to maybe reassess where the diplomatic discussions going on the board to reset the narrative so that that's that, that's kind of where i'm at with this beer how about your wine um now from what i understand about a Puglia, it's generally speaking one of the most um i won't say impoverished areas but it's one of the, the less rich areas of italy right um although it's got some nice little touristy areas but they're very niche this is quite a rich wine though. So whether the barren soil and everything like that has really kind of brought out a lot of flavor. It's like what you said before with your beer. Very flavorsome. Right. But it's more subtle. It's not like a big Australian Shiraz or something that just kind of, you know, Ooh. punches you in the face and you go, oh, bloody hell, I felt that. It's far more subtle. Okay, right. So as a strategy or as a position on the board, well, it's like, okay, so we're in mid-game. We're in mid-game, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, um, maybe it's like, you know, I'm, I'm fighting a two-front war. Maybe, maybe okay, I'm okay. like Germany or something. I don't know. Who knows? And I'm doing really well. Maybe I'm Germany and I've kind of, you know, smashed, got rid of all of France. 
Well, drop it off a lot of it, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah pretty yeah, much yeah, mostly, yeah. you know what I mean? But, um, and things are okay with England. Okay. But, you know, I don't know, something stupid's happened, like, you know, fucking Austria all of a sudden starts popping random units into Bohemia and Galicia, and you're going, oh, what the fuck are you, and Tyrolling, what the fuck are you doing? So it's not like a perfect, yeah. like, things are going well, but it's like, but the Austrian players said, no, 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 I'm just trying to throw someone off the game. Next day, they haven't got three in there. I reckon they're in Bohemia, but they've kind of said, look, yeah, that's right. What well, I'm actually not in Galicia. They said, I will need to do this so I can cheekily move into Silesia whilst I move up into Galicia, and I'm going to go for Warsaw. Uh-huh. So I'm going to give you plenty of advance notice. And you've got, I don't know, maybe a fleet in Baltic, that's Germany, and you can easily cover Berlin, and I'll tip you off so you know it's okay. If, I'm, if, I, if I don't believe you. So there's, there's tension there. There's so tension you, there. You're, you're kind of forced to trust, because yes. there's not a lot you can do but trust. Okay. Speaking of trust, there's a big hitters game coming up on the boat, Big Diplomacy. Oh, yes. How are you planning on trusting those players? Bunch of cutthroats that they are. Well, it's a full press game, isn't it? Full press. Rule book press, so no communication during retreats and builds. Oh, look, I think I'll, I'll play the game on its merits. I'll play the yeah. players as I see how they interact. What about you? Well, it's quite a large map. I've had some success. I've had some shocking failures on, this, on the map. It's a haven board. Which is a fantasy themed um, thing. Apparently, it was conceived to be a fog of war. Oh. Initially, I didn't realise. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. But there's all sorts of. Um, like the official rules for that particular bearing has got different. Um, They're not wormholes, but there's something similar. You can kind of pop down holes into the middle of the thing and then pop yeah, It's a circular map, um, and there's like an underground cavern that you use to traverse the map um, full of territories and you know it's all very it's all very interesting um, but the, the, the variant rules have uh, in, like each individual power like the barbarians or the archers or the elves or the dwarves or the hobbits or whatever trolls and you know, blah 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 I think it's even um, pirates and ninjas pirates isn't it? ninjas yeah yeah <laughs> but they all have a special um, on the, on the original rules they've all got a special um thing that they can do, right, so because it's fog of war, the wizards might be able to choose any one location on the map so that they can see that location for the turn, but there's just no way you can conceivably code all of those different rules for those different player nations, so you could probably do like a fog of war for the map, that probably wouldn't be too difficult to set up, but there's all of those other unique factional rules that just... So, um, putting aside the variant, which I know there has been some conversation around, some people really just don't like that variant because it doesn't feel like a diplomacy game. Because, you, as you said, you're playing orcs versus ninjas versus <laughs> pirates versus and wizards. And wizards. Yeah. Um, so, I understand that. There, I mean, this, this actually came from an idea that I originally proposed on the forum around having this as a big hitters game. You've got to have a certain amount of, you know, 
points, which I know you don't care about points, Ken. Yep. Uh, although you happen to be the person who's got more points than me, and again, kudos to you. Frustration, no length, no doubt. It does, it gives me that absolute <laughs> fucking shit. Because <laughs> you always make out, oh, I don't really care about points. <laughs> anyway. No, I don't. That's, a, that's probably what causes you more aims. <laughs> um, but the idea being, like, he's trying to... Um, Eliminate some of the um, basically just make sure that the best of the best are fine. Right. And there was a fair amount of interest in uh, happening. Although I was going to organise it, then life got busy. Uh, diplomacy, uh, pod, sorry, diplomacy games podcast listeners would know that no, life's got busy because been a bit of a break. Been a bit of a break. Ah, uh, bit slack. So um, you know, I kind of said, look, I, I'm happy to play, happy to kick off the idea. Just probably can't execute on organising it. Sure. I think God's God player, the able the, the player, has um, stepped in to set it up. Which is great. So, um, but I think there might be. It's taken a while to actually get all the players to, to sign up. So, well, I don't know. I'm not sure if private messages have been sent out to people to remind oh, them. You know, people might just be missing it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, Any oh. other big games of yours? No, but I've. Waiting for the Terra Three game to start. Terra Three. Someone I um, World War Four Sea Lanes. Ah. Yep, the next one in that series. So we'll see how we go with that one. Will I have as much success as the last game, or will yep. I get squashed early? Yep. See how that goes. Probably looking forward to the Melbourne Open though. Yes. Which is what next week? Well, hopefully if I get the shit together and get this episode out when it's meant to be out, it'll be, yeah, about a week from when this comes out. No, it's actually next week. Next weekend. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. Like today, we're recording on a Thursday. Yeah. Although, earlier on, when we were down the other pub, you yeah, said, they're, they're I thought not... it was a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, but our, but we find out on Friday it's night. it's not going to be a week away from you hearing. No, when you hear this, it'll be like less than a week away. Yes. Yeah. About that. With any line. Um, yeah, so looking forward to um, having a good old game at Fortress Melbourne. Or two or three or four, or how many it is? Three games? I think it's three, three games. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it'll be it'll be um, it'll be good. It'll be interesting to play again a game where I'm oh, sorry, a tournament. Much the same with Dipcon, where it's like the who wins and everything is based on Collective counting up points after three games. Right. Rather yeah. than say a top board. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. We'll be um, obviously making a recording down there, so. We might do that. We may do that. We may indeed. Um, so we'll keep your keep your ear to the keep your ear to the to the release schedule and I've tried to um, see if some players uh, online will come along who are not too far away okay. I know at least one Tasmanian player in a game I'm in he's like he was interested he's interested, but he's got a young family and it's like nah, can't Difficult. really get away yeah. Mouse is based in Melbourne yeah Mouse I haven't been able to actually get Mouse to confirm if he's coming or not that being said um, about probably about four weeks ago now uh, my wife and I went down to, of all places, Geelong. Yeah. Um, 
Perth. Which is part of like a satellite city to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, southwest. Um, which went down also with her uh, uh, sister and brother-in-law. Anyway, I was talking to her cousin. So my cousin. Oh fuck! Shit. Okay. All right. Yeah. Talking to my cousin-in-law, and um, I don't know how, but like I'm now now that I'm out of the closet. You know, with, yeah, with, with the five, yeah, I'm a little bit more talking about yeah. it. Yeah. And um, I can't remember how it came up, but I happened to mention it. And he went, wait, I, I played a game or two of that when I was younger. I love that game. That was so much fun. <laughs> so I said, well, we've got a tournament coming up. Gonna just get up the road in Melbourne. Yep. And he's already said, I, I think at the moment his intention, and I actually believe his intention is correct. Is that he intends to at least come for one day? Great. Well, called Maria. So that'll be good. So uh, I don't know what his gameplay's like. He might need a bit of a, a crash course. Get rusty, no doubt. But I'm sure it's like riding a bicycle once you. Actually, what I should do is send through to him the um, web dip link for the box so he can practice his. Practice. Yeah. How to actually set orders, how does all the dynamics work. With a disclaimer that the bots are likely going to kick his ass. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Like, you know, to get to get the order structure. Yep. Practice the order structure. Yeah. No, it's probably so, a good looking idea. forward to it. So alright. So well, wrap it up. Let's wrap this one up because we're actually going to do a back-to-back recording, guys, ladies, listeners. Um, we'll be jumping straight into our next podcast from this one. Exactly. Okay. So, cheers. Till next time. Bye.